0: Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve.
1: There it is. There There she is. is. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Trying to Be Better podcast with Joel and Steve. Steve cringes every... It's not it a cringe. I,
2: it, is. it is. No, it's not a cringe. I get it makes me happy. And I know that we're about to enter, uh, you know, the unknown. So there's a lot of like, we don't yeah. know what's going to happen here.
1: Yeah, it's a it's a giddiness. <laughs> it is. That's really what it is.
2: I just I, I love doing
1: this. And it's just I like, mm. you know,
2: it's going to be it's always a good time. And
1: it's. Just I love nice it. to see you. I love doing it, too. In my morning practice, I I wrote down I'm grateful for the ttbb podcast and that we have a special guest today so totally. yeah man i really wait a agree. minute
2: so do you write down do you do writings in the morning
1: just, i read I, I write down a yeah i have a gratitude journal every morning oh. uh, sometimes that it explains,
2: takes on, that, that explains your rosy glow
1: <laughs> well if i don't do it <laughs> all bets are off so it's like one of those things if you if you are in a consistent practice and then you take that away uh-huh yeah, you, you feel. I feel more raw than I think I. If I wouldn't have ever. Done oh, it. that's real. You yep. know what I mean? It's weird. Yep. Um, how you feeling, Steve? You feeling all right? I got. I'm. I'm in day four of
2: quarantine isolation. I have the Rona. I have the COVID. Yeah.
1: So round two. <laughs> yeah, it is mm-hmm. the Rona Boogaloo. How you? But <laughs> you sound. <laughs> You sound a lot better than you did on Friday. Friday,
2: yeah. And I I feel better. I uh I went for a walk last night cuz I had to get out of here for a few um good for you. Yeah, but I I made it like a third of a mile and I was like, I think I I think I need to go home. Yeah. So I did, you know, and I just I don't know. It is what it is. I'm I'm trying real hard to not freak out.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, Ki- when Kirsten and I had it together, I mean, we're we we like to walk around our neighborhood, and we've got about a two and a half to three mile route we like. Yeah. But when we were sick, it was like two blocks, and we we're like, we gotta go back. We gotta go back. You know, mm. it's, it sucks. So I'm glad. So, but I'm glad you're on the up and up. Yeah. I'm.
2: I think it will be fine. I uh. I do have a little brain fog. It's weird. Like I was just even trying to memorize the name of a pepper. I'm like, oh boy. Here we yeah. go. So, our Will, our our guest today, I want to, uh, I'm doing the best I can.
1: I will try to be sharp. And, yeah, please, Joel,
2: to... you're going to carry this one because oh, I'm going to spend a lot of time kind of. <laughs>
3: well.
2: uh, and I am in kind of a makeshift. I had to recreate my, you know, my studio environment in my bedroom. So mm. I'm kind of winging it here, but it's working fine. We, yeah, you look the, great. You sound the, great. It's the magic of, you know, laptops and USB microphones and it's fine. That's right.
1: Our guest has a really sweet setup, so I'm excited to get his voice on here.
3: Why Um, don't you do
2: intros, yeah.
1: Yeah, so um, this was, so a few episodes ago, we, I, you know, bought the ticket to lincoln exposed right and uh it was a school night and i was out late and i was like you know my kirsten i met up with kirsten we saw a few bands we saw head of femur which was nice because i haven't God, seen they're them so in a good long. they're so good i, I just seen a played the, I
2: just played their lp again uh yesterday actually
1: so That's good yeah. and i saw on the on the on the billing i was like a ferocious jungle cats playing the zoo bar at like some ungodly hour like 11 p.m or something and i'm like i'm going to stay out i'm going to do it i'm going to stay out late i'm going to i'm going to see this band i have to. i mean cuz i've seen them a couple of times um, and i saw a ferocious jungle cat play randomly for the first time i saw i think i saw y'all was i don't at the the tower square thing on like what is that 12th or 13th oh, right. mm-hmm. and oh right and i was like what is that and then another time happened I was at Don. I teach uh, at Doan University and I was getting out of rehearsal late night and I, hear, I heard a funk explosion circus happening in the distance. And I just wandered over there like Pepe Le Pew following the scent. And there were, I was like, there was no students there really, but I'm like, Ferocious Jungle Cat was playing it like it was um, you know Madison Square Garden. I was like, these guys are the best. <laughs> and so that's why I stuck out late to see all the zoo. And by the time you know I made it to that, that place was packed. Y'all had a following. And I was like, I have to reach out to these guys and get them on the podcast because before you guys blow up and are headlining Coachella or something, I have to get... We have to, we have to, you know, grab the coattails, coattails while they're around. So, with that huge introduction is why Will Harmon is here with us from a ferocious jungle cat. Welcome, Will. So glad to have you here.
3: Thanks. Thanks for having me. Yeah, <laughs> that's right a great introduction. I appreciate <laughs> that. <laughs> um,
1: so I guess uh, let's start at the very beginning, which is a very good place to start. Are you from around here? Are you a Lincolnite originally? Uh,
3: no, I I grew up in. Uh, in Blair Nebraska which okay. is just uh, north of Omaha a little bit and I came down here for school in 2005
1: okay right on
3: uh, and then really just never left um, yeah. I really like Lincoln but you know it just it worked out that, that I liked the town and I liked the way that uh, I, I particularly love the music scene I mean it, yeah. it's like you said it's uh there's a lot of really good artists um, And so we, I just, you know, I felt at home. So anyway, grew up in Blair, came down here for school, been here for 17 years.
2: What were you you coming down here to study? Like what was your... Uh,
3: Originally it was journalism and then that switched to teaching and then that switched to English and whatever. Then eventually whatever, I could get a degree. And so (laughs) uh, it changed a lot along the way. Uh, Yeah. My my parents both went to the university, so it was kind of a, a legacy thing, but um, you know, I grew up wanting to be part of the university of nebraska as a little kid strangely enough being a husker fan and, right. and uh, So it's kind of a dream come true and then and then you know change, dreams change a little bit when you when you get into it, but um, yeah, I, uh I love lincoln.
2: Yeah, so have you always, uh played have you always like been a musician? Like when you were a kid, is that something you had a Yeah, I started
3: before? started playing drums when I was 11. I think And then played drums all the way through high school i was the captain of the drums uh the drum line and played in the jazz band and the show choir band and um strangely you know played drums for 20 years ish um and then halfway along that picked up the bass and and started playing bass and then kind of by necessity started singing and and started the band and so it's been a strange journey but yeah been playing music I mean basically since I was a kid my dad plays piano and guitar and a little banjo and played clarinet so it you kind of you know grew up with an appreciation for music
2: so were you what kind of music were you exposed to as a kid like, what'd you grow up listening to and kind of digging
3: probably the the earliest that I remember is the Beatles my Me dad too. loved the Beatles um, and it's such a broad catalog that mm-hmm. you know even even now when I'm 35 I I appreciate you know, the, the, the kind of depth that they have, yeah, you know, it's cliche, but the Beatles are, you know, I think the best band of all time. And even though they were only around for a certain period of time, the, the things that they were able to do when they were younger and then, and then the recording techniques and the, the studio abilities that they had when they were older, there's something for everybody there so you can appreciate them. As you grow, you know, and then probably, you know, as a counter to that, I grew up like in Blink One Eighty Two, and that really only applies when you're about seventeen or eighteen, you know. And, <laughs> and those those lyrics don't don't speak as much to you when you're thirty five, but right. you know, it was a it was a good start.
1: Yeah, I sure. I I I really appreciate folks that ha- were grew up around the Beatles because you're absolutely right. It's like. What what I connected to when I was like eight, listening to the records that my mom would put on of the Beatles while we cleaned the house, were very different when I sat down and listened to "Let It Be." You know, yeah, it's like right. it's it's all it's all over the place.
2: My well, it's funny. Go, go ahead. I was saying my first favorite song that I remember from being really little was my dad playing a reel to reel with "I Want to Hold Your Hand" on it.
3: Yeah which is a
2: very different experience than you know a senior in high school doing certain things listening to the white album late at night (laughs) yeah
0: yeah
3: exactly well when i was maybe i want to say eight i was put on a van with some family friends that i didn't know that well and i i was kind of nervous about traveling i've never been a a great traveler and i had this little uh, cassette player and i remember it was like turquoise and pink and i had a beatles like 1964 to 66 tape yeah. mm-hmm. just the just the one single cassette tape and from Epley Airfield to Valentine Nebraska I listen to that over and over and over so I listen to one side and then I flip it over and I listen to the other side and so still when I listen to that tape or I listen to those songs I know what's coming next I know what, you know just based on that one one cassette yeah so it, you know it was a it was a great foundation of the Beatles and then that you know it it opens you up to so many other places because they were so influential to so many groups throughout history Mm -hmm.
1: yeah so i so you you didn't really put together any music ensembles until you got to college is that am i hearing that correctly do you have any I, high school bands did you have any garage bands oh yeah, playing yeah. <laughs> blink, blink 182 covers in a garage or something? that's
3: exactly what we were doing that's funny awesome. you say we, i was in a band called those guys it was a very original name yes. we came up with it at the blair municipal swimming pool when we were like 15 yes and we had seen a band <laughs> in blair kind of a, a tradition there's a uh, a band in blair called the nuclear bees and it was they they were uh that one of the dads was a friend or one of my friends was a, a dad had a dad in the band mm-hmm. and so we were 15 and we saw him in a street dance and we said hey let's uh, start a band so we grabbed three other guys and there was four of us total and we started playing blink 182 covers and green day covers and the first show that we played i was maybe 16 and it was cornstalk 2 at the you know basically the main intersection in blair nebraska and we played one song. It was Brain Stew by Green Day, which nice. is three chords, four chords yeah, maybe. Yeah. And we were all so nervous before we played. And I remember our, our lead guitar player, the only thing I remember about that show is he threw up behind a, um, a grain elevator. Yeah. <laughs> so it's just like classic Blair, Nebraska, small town. Yeah, so we perfect. we played a, a handful of shows growing up. We you know practiced as much as we could, basically just a cover band. And then we wrote some originals and we mm. recorded a crappy album to a little... You know a track recorder and so I've been been recording and playing music I didn't write start writing songs until I was probably 20 maybe 19 or 20 something mm-hmm. like that when yeah, I picked can, up I picked it. up the guitar
2: can mm-hmm. I ask how old you are now
3: just 35
2: your... okay all right yeah yeah so you've been writing songs for a decade and a half
3: Yeah, probably something like that, and and there's probably a few songs that I started writing when I was you know 17 or 18 just to get a feel for songwriting. But like I said, I started playing drums, so it's hard to write songs when you're a drummer. You know, I was just kind of
2: Neil Peart might disagree. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, he probably
3: would. Just to throw, just to throw that out there. Right. I just remember when I started. Yeah.
1: When I started learning how to play the guitar. I was listening to the Beatles and, and Pearl Jam, which their music can be somewhat complicated, but mostly I'm like, I want to play the Beatles songs that I know and love, right? So you sit down with the tabs or whatever and try to play those songs. You're like, fuck this. So, then, <laughs> so it's like, then you look up the tabs for Nirvana and you're like, oh, that's three power chords. I can do that. You know, thank God for punk, right? Like, exactly, exactly. <laughs> uh, so that's, I mean, I, I really, I mean, I really love, a ferocious jungle cat's overall expansive funk fusion. I don't even want to label it. I guess, but it's, <laughs> it's out there and so much fun. It's such a party, um, but it is it is complicated. I mean, it is it is it is not Blink One Eighty Two. It sure. is it is the Beatles, right? It's it's really complicated <laughs> music, right? So, like, I'd love to hear how that started to come together for you. Like, how did you go from being you know the blink 182 fan playing music live how did that evolve into what that is because that's a really wild trajectory in my opinion
3: well part of that is just due to the the number of guys that we have in the band And, and you know i when i talk about the process uh when people ask me you know how do we how do we come up with these songs how do you how do you put these things together to create like you said it's it's tough to put a genre on it and and we try not to i i really try and Um, let the audience, one of my favorite things is to have people come up and say, you know, this is, you guys really remind me of this and, and you sound like this and there's influences here. And and have you thought about calling your group that, you know, the genre this? I appreciate that. I, we always like a, a new take to it, but to get to that point, um, it just, it was a slow progression, you know, sitting in my, in my bedroom late at night working on a looper pedal and adding details and adding different parts and, and texture to things. And then when, when we started jungle cat, um, it, it wasn't as complex as it is now. And part of that is just, we play, we've played together f- for this group. We've been playing together for, for probably six years now. There's been a couple of additions and subtractions throughout the years, but I, For me, it's really easy. I come to the to the guys with um, Just a couple ideas like a riff or two kind of an outline a basic structure of what I want kind of a feel of what I want To do and so I'll I'll just present that to them and then I kind of let those other guys Do what they're really good at Mm -hmm. particularly? uh, Miles Jasnowski is our guitar player and he's kind of a force in Lincoln I mean he plays in a bunch of groups and we were really lucky to get him young as he had just moved back from New York To to Lincoln and was looking for a group to play with He's an incredible talent and I would say a virtuoso. I mean just absolutely Mind-blowing the things that he can do with the guitar So I come to the group and I I say here's what I'm thinking and then I just kind of leave it up to those guys and I say what what do, you, what do you see going in here? How, how do you feel this this progresses? And then they'll play something and I'll say, I like that. Give me more of that. Or I, I don't like that. Let's try to take it a, a different angle. So we just kind of, we get together every couple months if we're lucky. And if we have new songs to work on, we'll just kind of present them as a group and we'll jam them out and we'll record the jam. And then I'll I'll edit that down to kind of the pieces that I like. And then we'll put those together and then we'll come back and we'll we'll try and incorporate those pieces into a, a cohesive song. Um, but yeah, those guys, I'm lucky to have the guys around me that, that I do. And I, and I trust them to do what they're really good at. And they trust me to kind of turn them loose and, and let them get weird.
1: Yeah. That's a, that sounds like a really fun process. Cause you're like, Hey, I've got some, just some inklings of ideas, have a ball with this and let's capture it. And then I'll take what I, what we captured and, you know, fine tune it and bring it back. I think that that's 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 a really interesting way of doing it. I think that's really cool. It, it reminds me of kind of some stuff that I've done in the theater world with you know sure. just group based ensemble stuff. It's like it's if you're ignoring the heads in the room, you're an idiot. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah, you know. Well, and
3: I, I've always thought that we are we're better. You know we're more than just the sum of our parts when we get right. together it the we bounce ideas off of each other we encourage each other to try things that maybe we maybe we wouldn't on our own and definitely I wouldn't try if I was writing the songs a hundred percent by myself in a studio environment coming up with every single idea and and telling the guys to do exactly what I think and mm. I, I one of my first big influences after the Beatles and then blink 182 was I found a CD of uh, dr. Dre's the chronic 2001 when I was yes. maybe seventh or eighth grade and that was very influential on me because just the the way that the dr. Dre produces in a studio environment everything is so clean everything is so polished you can hear all of the ideas crystal clear but then I read an interview I think where it where he does the same thing he brings in really talented artists keyboard players bass players drummers those kind of of musicians Mm -hmm. and then sits him down in a room and says okay go and then if 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 he likes something he'll say give me more of that if he doesn't like something he'll say you know, t- take it a different angle, right. just kind of guiding the the process as a, a director, as a, like you said, in, in a theater environment, I'm, I'm kind of the lifeguard of the situation.
2: The lifeguard.
3: <laughs> <laughs> I want
2: to, I want to circle back on something that you said a minute ago, which is to the effect of, we let it get weird. Yeah. I, I just, uh, that mate, that just fills me with unspeakable (laughs) amounts of joy because like the world needs that right now Mm -hmm. and it's just so cool to like we have all these people that are so incredibly creative and talented let's see where this goes
3: exactly i i (laughs) love before shows and we you know we practice and we've played these songs the same way hundreds of times i've got a list of how many shows we played and it's like in 180 ish wow so we've played together a lot and every time before a show you know as, as long as the the environment um is conducive to it i'll say to the guys let's get weird do something <sighs> do something tonight that you've never done before and if it fails no one's going to notice right. no one's going to pay attention <laughs> it's going to be the the four of us on stage who are actually paying attention are going to notice that it happens and then it'll be over so i i like pushing those guys miles and jack our keyboard player oh, And yeah. um, amazing yeah he's really talented and Ian Fleming is our trombone player and I've known him forever he's a Blair guy too and then my brother is the drummer Cal Mm -hmm. so I I like to just kind of tell them to get out of their comfort zone give them enough space that it's okay to do that because like I said no one's gonna know well you guys
2: you guys play long instrumental passages and I I mean they're very obviously constructed and like choreographed kind of but there's also plenty of wiggle room in there
3: sure yeah and and I think choreographed is a great way to put it we always try and I say here's where we start and then here's the destination and then how we get to that point it doesn't really matter just
2: just out of curiosity have you ever listened to a band called the grateful dead (laughs) (laughs) i knew that was coming that's funny
3: i i have not listened to them as much as i should have Mm. you know i've heard the the classics and and i know and i appreciate their um importance in that that jam band scene i love the jam band scene i wish we were more a part of that i wish I wish we could book more gigs yeah. where we could play the three o'clock afternoon festival set.
2: Dude, you guys, that, you'd that, would kill, I, kill I Honestly, you, you would, would kill, kill there.
3: And I, I don't know if it's, we don't play as much as I'd like to. Everybody's busy. And, and right. of course, COVID changed a lot of how we, how we do that. Mm-hmm. But, i love that vibe and i've always said i love playing for the hippies Dude, because I they just, appreciate it you know i yeah. just
2: i just came back from the three-day festival in chicago called the sacred rose festival which i hated the name but there were bands playing that i wanted to see uh, most notably uh for phil Lesh, formerly of yeah, the grateful dead who's sure. 82 years old and still <laughs> killing it yeah killing it but i i mean i was there and i was thinking about you know our interview upcoming i'm like oh my god first jungle cat would fit right in here you guys would just slay yeah.
3: yeah i love that that kind of environment that that atmosphere um i was lucky enough to go to coachella in 2007 and i saw uh, the reason i went is to see Rage against the machine and it was like mm-hmm. their first show back and that's another very influential band for yeah. me um growing up it, it, and they kind of introduced me to the the heavier side of things mm-hmm. but I saw, I think I saw the Roots play in the afternoon um, in Coachella in in the desert and and the beautiful backdrop. And I just thought, I love this environment. I love playing outside. And I, I always say when we play, when Jungle Cat gets to play outside shows, we belong outside and it's, and it's kind of an a in-joke that a Ferocious Jungle Cat belongs outside. You know, this shouldn't yeah. be contained. Yeah, in, in the wild. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, you know, I, I love that jam scene. I love the kind of windy travels that you get to a certain point. And then, you know, we've, like I said, we have played together enough that we trust each other to get back to that point when we need to get to it. And yep. and then it looks like we actually know what we're doing.
1: Well, see, so, I, I sat through that whole set the, at the zoo bar uh, about a month ago or so. And I, I remember just, I mean, I didn't, I don't, I don't think I had any friends there. And I was just like, looking, I mean, everybody was having a ball, but I was like, are you guys hearing, is everybody hearing this? Is everybody hearing this? Like I had that moment, like when I saw, you know, when I saw dead and company or when I saw, uh, uh Joe Russo's almost dead, or when I see those bands that just kind of go off the deep end. And, and I'm like, this is right here in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, these guys are amazing. And, I, mm-hmm. it, it, and so if you were going on those tangents, it sounds sa- that's that. I guess that's one real big question I had was I f- I was like either this experience is very uh, very much like how Frank Zappa did things where everything is planned or there are moments of complete chaos and but it sounds like everything's planned. Like you you're you're absolutely right. Nobody fucking knows. If you guys are <laughs> if you guys are fucking it up, it sounds yeah, amazing. You right. know what I mean?
3: It's a little. It's probably half and half. It's a little. We do know where we should end up, but we don't know how we're gonna get there mm. and I I play in a cover band occasionally and we you know we play four on the floor stones and 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 Beatles and me too. And classic rock I I, I looked you I looked up some of your Instagram stuff and it right in that same vein and I love that but I always say when I play those those uh, cover bands and I play drums in those as long as we start together and end together no one's going to know in between if we fuck up or not. Right, you know, it, right. it doesn't matter. It, the 99.9% of the audience is not a musician or, you know, critically listening to everything no. that you're doing. There's, they, always
2: the, there's always that one guy in the back that's like, that wasn't right.
3: Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and we like to kind of mess with him a little bit, you know, right. and, and say yeah. we're going to do something a little different. And I appreciate when people, especially cover groups, do things a little bit differently. And, that's and, the...
2: Uh, playing in an exile on o street like i come from a place of like the rolling stones didn't play like they did on the album i don't care sure it does not yeah. matter i know they play don't play it the way i feel like it in that moment i'm going to be true to the song and true to the vibe of that but beyond exactly. that like i don't care i'll yeah, play the it, lick and right. then everything else is fair game
3: hmm. it, and it's cliche again but it's all about the vibes you know yeah, we, oh, we want to kind of kind of um encourage an environment where people where people can also get weird with us you know yeah. and and travel along these windy paths with us and and uh you know appreciate that we can come back to the same place together and that that it feels like we're tight and that we've we hit these certain points these waypoints along the way but but you know we can get lost in the weeds
2: that's the thing that like when I'm playing live I don't want people to walk away thinking, well, they really faithfully recreated that 1968 <laughs> recording. What I want people to go come away with is like, that was fucking awesome. That yeah.
3: was so Yeah. Awesome. yeah. You right.
1: know? People are there to have an experience. You right. know, I think that anybody that comes to witness live performance of any kind is there to have an experience, an active experience. I was just telling my theater students about that. It's like, we have become conditioned to have passive experiences with, with, live Mm -hmm. performance on screens or streaming or whatever but when you're in the room with the artist you have a responsibility to kind of let go and to give back i mean there's an exchange there you you can't be passive i I don't think a lot of people get that i don't think they do either
3: yeah and that's tough it's tough as an artist because you especially when you feed off of that and we Mm -hmm. do to a great extent when you really feed off of of the audience and the people having a good time and especially up close to us dancing and it's funny that you talk about when we played a dome because that was kind of a scheduling thing and things were really strange and we were happy to be there happy to have the gig but it happened on a night where all of the kids i think were in town at the one bar and yes. so it, So it was, you know, this really strange confluence of events where there was nobody there. But we were lucky to have a really good sound system. Oh, yeah. And they brought the lights and the fog. So I kind of, we kind of turned in on each other. Yeah. And we kind of became insular. And then it was just like we were practicing with really good sound and, and lights. And so we just kind of let go and we forget about the audience. So it's weird when we can really feed off of them. It's funny that you've seen kind of the dichotomy of the two jungle cat shows. They can go really well, like they do at the zoo when it's always packed and there's people sweating on us and right on top of us. And that's a lot of fun. And we love that, but they can also go, we've had, we've had plenty of shows where there's nobody there and we kind of have to rely on each other to get through it without it being super awkward. And I, you know, like I said, I'm lucky enough to know these guys and have a really good friendship with these guys that we can just kind of forget about the audience if we have to and yeah. turn in on each other and, and kind of rely on each other to to carry through that gig
1: that's what i that's what i remembered most about i was you know i i mean and you know after after a long day of teaching and then rehearsal i want to go home and so what i was i was walking to my car I was like that whatever that is i have to know what that is because that <laughs> is a fucking party and i walk over there and i'm like what, it was like yeah. a rehearsal it's, outside it's, i was it's like, like right.
2: it's like brigadoon or yeah totally
1: it <laughs> it's, it's totally that
0: and, and yeah, i was like was walking tough. up
1: i was like what the f-? And, and i walked over to spencer who put it together and he's like yeah i know man i'm like dude this is fucking awesome you know <laughs>
3: Yeah, that was a bummer, but we got through it, and and we we made a couple fans, and we have some we have some really killer pictures and some video from that. You you can't even tell that there's nobody in the audience, so (laughs) we put them up, and it's like, hey, did you see this show? We you know it was a great show, crushed it (laughs) exactly, (laughs) and you did.
1: I mean, that's the thing. Like, yeah, it's like if but that's that's the interesting thing about being in an ensemble, being in a band, being in a a group or a, a group of people making something together. If you can't. If you can't turn each other on, you're not going to turn anybody else on, right? Yeah, right. You know? Yeah, and if
3: it gets to that point where you're not, you, you're not working out, and when it's not turning each other on, you're not trying new things, you're not expanding it, you're not pushing the envelope a little bit, at least with each other, then you know what's the point?
1: Yeah.
2: So what what is the point, Will? Like what? What, like, what is I Ask myself that all the thing time. You do here. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a people person, damn it. Um, <laughs> do do you? Do you like, does the group have a collective like goal, mission statement? Are you guys trying to make this your full time thing? Like, what does that even look like? You know, it, maybe it's very hard to get six people in the same yeah, place at the same right. time when everybody has life and responsibilities. And like, I know
3: that. Sure, it's funny that that's been uh, kind of a progression too. Probably six years ago, if you'd asked me that question, I would have said, "I want to." You know, my go- ultimate goal is to play that afternoon set at Coachella. Like, that right. is the pinnacle of where I want to be. And, and then life kind of gets in the way. And um, Mike Mason is our one of our guitar players. He's the big tall guy who stands in the back. We call him Big Daddy Mike.
1: Yeah. And, you have to put him in the back. Otherwise, he'll talk, talk yeah, right. to everybody and he, else.
3: He wants to be there. That's what he, he is very comfortable there. Right. And he's right. such a kind of a foundation of what we do. But he's got two kids and he's a teacher here in Lincoln. And our trombone player's got two kids and he's a teacher in Omaha. And then Jack and Miles are both professional musicians, and that's what they do for their full-time gigs. And my brother, Cal, is a librarian, and he also plays music. And so everybody's got these kind of disparate outside lives. Mm -hmm. So now, it's kind of, the focus for me has changed that I just appreciate playing with these guys and the opportunities that we get to be together on stage and kind of create these moments and hopefully capture these moments in, if if nothing else, the minds of people who were there. Mm And just you know I I've started when we play shows I will take a second in the middle of the show in the middle of a song to look at all the guys and just appreciate being there and that's awesome being you know thankful and grateful that I am lucky enough to play with those guys in that moment and that there are people who come to see us and who appreciate our music and who sing the lyrics to us and it just you know it it still kind of blows my mind that that this little thing that I started 12 years ago has become you know it's not huge and we're not touring or anything like that but we still have a little bit of a following in lincoln and and people come to our shows and and that still blows my mind so i think the goal now is is now that we're older and we've got lives and things outside of music to just appreciate being together so
2: i i want to i want to hone in on or ask a little bit about something you're uh uh, because i preparing for this a little bit i watched some of your videos quite a few of them actually just live stuff and then the actual like you'd call them you know mtv videos or whatever Sure. yeah, yeah. uh and you're kind of a renaissance man because <laughs> <laughs> your you. name is all over the credits of those videos which by the way i mean and I, again i don't like the pigeonhole but they got a devo-esque kind of feel to yeah. them and there's kind of this like we don't give a fuck this seems like a fun idea so we're gonna sure. do it my <laughs> The video, I can't remember the name of the song now, but the one with the the '80s workout thing. Yeah, <laughs> I just I love that. My, one of my that daughters was so was much like, fun. One of my daughters was like, "What is this?" And I like, <laughs> I'm Like, well, that's kind of for you to decide. And she's like, "Okay." So she sat and watched it. She was like, at the end, she just kind of went, "Well," but like, it was mesmerizing.
3: Yeah, you know? no, that's amazing. I appreciate both of those takes. I like the 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 Devo take, and then your daughter's take. I mean, that's great. Uh, yeah I, I some people would say renaissance man I might say like control freak or uh, <laughs> you know, extremely picky about what I put out and yeah you know kind of as an example of that I I do all of the social media I do all of the I record mix and master everything I produce everything we you know I make I design the t-shirts and, and all of that stuff just because I enjoy it and I I like having that um, that kind of control I guess But it it gets to the point where during COVID, my brother wanted to use the social media to promote some of our other friends who were doing stuff who maybe needed some help during that time. Mm -hmm. And I said, okay, that's great. You can take the password, here's the password to the social media, but there's one rule, you cannot use exclamation points. Not allowed to use exclamation (laughs) points at all. And if you go through all of our social media, everything that we've ever put out, there's not a single exclamation point in there. And that's just because I'm, I'm, it's a silly thing, but, I see so many marketers and corporations basically shouting at people with exclamation points and that, you know, here's the thing, come to our show, come do this, come do that. And that's just a a small example of how, how much control I want to have over everything. So it's not that I am this multi-talented, uh, you know, Renaissance man. Uh, it's, it's that I want to do it and that I don't, necessarily trust anybody else to do it yeah. the way that <laughs> yeah. i want it to be done you know it's and also the that, of- it
1: sounds like that i that sounds like the only green m&ms in the writer to make sure people fucking do it you know what i mean like if yeah. you're gonna care about right. it you know like don't put green m&ms in the in the in the bowls in the dressing room but i i, I think that's really that's really interesting too that you, you know th- from one perspective you see yourself as a control freak that wants things a certain way. But Steve and I definitely on the outside see it as look at this creative force, this individual who is um, enjoying creating all of this and doing it in a lot of multifaceted ways. I think that that speaks to how an artist might see themselves versus how um, a witness or a, dare I say, consumer of art would see that particular artist. It's like... You know, we put all these, these things like, Oh, that, that person's so prolific, but they see themselves as I am cursed with this, you know, (laughs) you know what I mean? So it's like, it's it's just, I'm lucky
3: enough. Yeah. My wife reminds me of that all the time. She says you are talented and you know, when I'm feeling down, she'll, she'll rattle off the things that I'm good at. And Mm -hmm. I, you, you have to hear that sometimes. And I've always been my biggest critic from when I was a, you know, a third grade basketball player. To now when I do art and, and, I, and I make the videos and all that stuff it, you I'm lucky enough to have somebody to remind me of that and you do need that in your life yeah. but it's funny that you bring up the the um, the dancing kitties video <laughs> was based on an 80s workout called dancing grannies and most of those exercises were ripped from straight from the VHS that I found on YouTube of of these you know middle-aged women doing exercises that was so much fun to do and that i think think that encapsulates how much fun we have together as just a group of boys because Mm. it was exhausting Mm -hmm. those those exercises i mean they're made for 60 year old women but it was no joke we were (laughs) exhausted at the end of it and you you can see at the end like i left in a little bit where big mike goes ah I'm done. And we were, we were hundred percent exhausted, but those videos are so much fun to do. And I really loved kind of creating a theme for each one and, and really diving into that. And I bought, you know, two VHS cameras from, from the 1990s on eBay and, and shot them on the full size VHS to get yeah. that kind of aesthetic and, and kind of set us apart from everything else that you see on, on YouTube or on, you know, Instagram
2: mm-hmm can i ask I, you a I, question are you are you friends with mikey elfers
3: yeah yeah uh you know we we run in the same scenes and, and sure. run into each other occasionally and yeah well i he, love the elfers boys he, they're great
2: he's just another like the thirst things first thing i they were kind of my first like lincoln like holy this is coming out of lincoln yeah. And this is amazing, and you yeah. guys fall into that category too. I'm a little newer to you, but like I've kind of followed. I don't get out much. I've got two kids. I got, you know what I'm saying. Like, and I do play music, but sure. like for me to be out in downtown Lincoln at midnight on a Tuesday is a really rare occasion. So, but like I've I kind of follow first Things first just from a social media distance, and I they it's just mind blowing. Yeah,
3: the 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 shows that they put together, the the videos and stuff that they time, you know, to their to their set, <laughs> incredible, and the, their whole thing is. You know, Lord, I don't know what else.
2: Lord Boot just kills yeah. me. That's yeah, it's an amazing kills. thing. Yeah,
3: and then so there's there's bands like Thirst Things First, and then uh, another band like that in Lincoln is Universe Contest, where they yeah, kind yeah. of create a a vibe, and it, you know what you're going to get when you go into that show, and they're so good at it, and they've kind of crafted their own niche in in Lincoln music that that people appreciate it and know what they're coming to get, and and can go kind of let let loose. And I I though having those guys as an influence, those groups kind of paving the way for us to do whatever we want mm-hmm. without being you know, without feeling like are people we, gonna appreciate this, are they gonna I
2: don't I'm not trying to break anybody's balls or disparage anything, but it's not groove puppet. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> sure. Like yeah. you guys aren't and and no just that's they, they're anybody, hey they're a good time yeah no absolutely 100%, and anybody out playing music and making a living at it my hat is 100 percent off to them uh, hell i wish i could play in group puppet but you know like that's it's a different thing to be yeah a, um you know, like I look at people like uh, our friend uh, Darren Keene, who very yeah. much is single-mindedly fu- focused on, this is my thing. Sure. You know, this is what I need to do. And if people like it, great. And if they don't, well, I'm going to make another thing and fuck them, too. You know, right. I mean, it's just like.
3: Yeah.
1: I and make weird house music about my Pekingese dogs. Yes. So fuck yourself. <laughs>
2: and, and just the commitment to like, this is my vision and that's it. Yeah. As yeah. opposed to trying to make a package that most people, like, like gross, like a grocery store deli potato salad it's not that it tastes good it's that a lot of people can eat it you yeah. know what i'm saying
3: that's a great analogy right yeah no i we're lucky enough to be in a scene where you you're allowed to do that and that it's appreciated mm-hmm. and then people come out and, and support it and you know it took us a while to to get comfortable with that when we first started you want to make sure that people like you and that they want to come see you again, and you don't want to be too offensive, but you want to be just offensive enough that people are like, "What? What's going on here?" Mm-hmm. But we kind of grew into that after a while, and then playing shows with groups like Things First or Universe Contest, and um, even going back when I was still an undergrad, there was a group called W W V W W Z. Absolutely love them. They created yeah. a vibe. They yeah. they they had an, uh, a sound that was their own. I saw them at Duffy's when I was, I think, a junior in college, and it was one of their last shows. Mm-hmm. And I thought, man, if we could just get a, tap into that a little bit, mm-hmm. then we're onto something. But Lincoln, Lincoln's music scene is all like that. Everybody, yeah. Everybody's so talented and creating their own thing, and no one's stepping on each other's toes, and it's not a rehash of anything. And I, I don't, it's funny because the Omaha music scene and Lincoln music scene, for being geographically nearby are so distant artistically mm-hmm. and I you know Omaha had their their national recognition for everything that they did in Saddle Creek and, and that type of sound and that's great but for a band like us it's hard to break into an environment like that mm-hmm. which is what makes Lincoln's music seems so enjoyable yeah. is people are willing to go out and see something really strange like Darren Keene's various groups or or yeah. thirst things first where they wear the costumes and and they've got the you know the oil guy and and everything's timed and the lights and and universe contest with their very specific look and feel yeah. and sound and so you know we're lucky to be a part of that I think
1: yeah I think that I it's it is fascinating too to to be to be in Lincoln and still see even in 2022 um a thriving scene and i know that there's a lot i mean there's a lot of moving parts to that it's not just one band lifting everybody it's like you have got to support each other and you have to have people come see it and you have to have people willing to see a lot of different things throughout the week right it's like if 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 a ferocious jungle cat is your thing universe contest may not be your thing you know sure. but you you support all of that stuff and i think that that is That is something really special that we have, you know, like, and just talking to like, well, we had Mike Semrat on here who is in no way near any of those genres, but like having a a supportive local music scene that isn't feeling like it needs to be anything. It doesn't need to be Saddle Creek, Omaha. It doesn't need to be Chicago or Athens, Georgia or whatever. It just needs to be itself. It's like you have to, you have to kind of break down your own walls, you know, like, yeah. The punk scene in Lincoln has always been strong and wild and awesome, but if all of those folks just went to punk house shows, none of the other bands would get, you know, audience either, you know, so it's, it is, it's pretty cool.
3: Yeah, and the other cool thing is that half the audience when we go to shows is other musicians who play in other bands. Yeah, and what's like that you said, like? That's got to feel amazing. It's so cool, and we, we're we lucky enough that we know Pete, the owner of the Zoo Bar, really well. And he's had us play his birthday show like the last three or four years. Wow. And that to us kind of feels like this this kind of royalty of Lincoln music. And so we played, last year we played with Emily Bass and The Near Miracle and Josh Hoyer and Soul Colossal and yep. us. And I think somebody else played, I can't remember who backstage you know you're kind of rubbing elbows with the who's who of of the Lincoln music scene and then the people in the audience all all playing a bunch of different groups and it's really cool because it's so supportive but there is no judgment no one is saying "Oh, this is this is not what Lincoln music should be it's people come out and and get weird and and have a good time and it doesn't matter if it's your cup of tea or not you know you're you're supporting local groups and and then they in turn support other local groups and everybody supports each other and Mm like you said, it's not like this one big group kind of lifting everybody up and then everybody kind of follows in that wake. It's, there's so many different facets of the, the music scene that there's something for everybody, but everybody appreciates everybody. You know, it's, it's, it's kind of a weird thing. Lincoln is a big, small town.
1: Yeah. And it doesn't sound like people in the scene are trying to like, sabotage each other fuck each other up or you know talk shit about each other you know what i mean like no
3: not at all there's no competition whatsoever it's very supportive yeah yeah
2: the the, you said something i think it's really important and kind of wonderful is that um there are times when you feel like you're surrounded by royalty (laughs) And, and 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 like i've felt that way at lincoln shows where um Like, I've lived on both coasts. I'm from Lincoln, but I've lived in the Washington, D.C. area and seen shows there. And I lived in Lake Tahoe and I went down to San Francisco and saw stuff. And um, like the quality of the people and the musicianship here is as good as any as as I've ever seen.
3: Oh, absolutely.
2: And, and And I have felt that way at shows at Duffy's and at Knickerbockers where it's and it's all local people where it's like, this is as good as it gets. Yeah. This is some of the best music that has ever been made Mm -hmm. that I can see. And there's a part of me that's, I mean, obviously, it would be nice to at least as a musician to get to a place where somebody else will carry your gear and set it up for you (laughs) and maybe put out a spread of food, you know. And if you could make 50, 60k a year, you know, and that's happening, like that's uh, that's a pretty good deal, you know. Um, but be that as it may, like just to just to have that kind of like that knowledge that like what's happening here right now. Is as good as it gets the rest of the world may not acknowledge it or even be aware of it but does that matter
3: no yeah exactly i don't think it matters and it's funny talking about artists you know i don't think if you asked any of those guys who i consider lincoln music royalty if they consider themselves royalty they say absolutely not you know i i stand on the shoulders of the guys who came before me and the groups that played before me everybody's kind of built up by the groups that came before them and so no one has this kind of massive ego where it's like you know we we made it here we are Lincoln famous now everybody bow down to us that's not at right. all what what anybody thinks I, I don't even the the guys who are the bands I have to stop saying guys the groups that have the most success in in Lincoln or or regionally or nationally they don't consider themselves that they're just doing right. what they can do and they're lucky enough and, and appreciate the the swell of support behind them mm-hmm. but you know that's what what sets Lincoln's music scene apart is no one has a grand illusions about where this is going to go. We're happy to play sold out shows at the zoo or Duffy's or bodegas or wherever. And that's enough.
1: I think, I think it goes back to kind of what Steve and I were riffing about before we introduced you is that idea of if you can't start with some gratitude, you know, and let go of the fucking expectations, then you're constantly going to be kind of, I mean, I, I, I as a theater artist I, and as an actor in, living in los angeles before was like if you are constantly craving something that is that is not happening currently you are just miserable it's just easily you can be in the you know the, the lap of luxury sitting on the beach with palm trees swaying behind you being fucking miserable and it's like yeah. what i hear you saying is mm-hmm. that the active pursuit of being just stoked on what you get to do right now is the thing that makes it a party is the thing that makes it fun to be at is the thing that makes the the jam, the jam, you know,
3: that validation has to come from within or within your own group. It can't be external or you're going to be lost.
1: That's like, that's,
2: that's a philosophy for life, man. (laughs) I'm going to bring it back to the dead for just a second and quote. Yeah, always without love in the dream. It'll never come true.
1: Hmm. Yeah.
2: Help on the way, baby. Yeah. (laughs) Yep.
1: I can't wait for Will to start checking out some Grateful Dead, and then the first jungle cat cat turning into just whoa, <laughs> <No, laughs> sure. just don't traveling on that in, path.
2: Don't don't turn into, but you know, a, a yeah. wink and a, a wink and a nod. always nice. <laughs> I
1: All
3: always right. threaten my my brother, the drummer, with yeah, we're gonna become a full out jam band. We're gonna have twenty minute jams, and he's like, "Are you serious? You <laughs> <fucking> kidding me? Because <laughs> he's back they... there doing the most work, and he's right, physically right. exhausted every show. And I'm you know I'm doing a little bit here with the bass, and it's yeah. like. Curious.
1: <laughs> yeah right it, it is, he's the drummer yeah 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 so he's you're gonna have to have buckets of ice set up for him after the show oh man we've
3: going. got fans for him and and we're trying to get him hooked up with a uh, a deal with pedialyte so if oh. anybody from pedialyte is listening we would love to be sponsored <laughs> trying to
1: be better podcast brought to you by
3: pedialyte <laughs> it's crazy how 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 good it is for you and he swears by it but huh. yeah I, I i would love to go down that path i think that's the beauty of of what we have is everybody has you know between the six of us in the group everybody's got their own influences and their own kind of understanding of where things should go so we push and pull and we stretch here and we stretch there and we bring it back here and you know be much more concise in this spot but but open it up in this spot and so then it's you know if it were up to me totally we'd be we'd be playing thirty minute jams, hmm. but I think that we wouldn't have a drummer by that point. Yeah, <laughs>
1: right. That's a marathon for well, sure. Well, that's
2: that's the fun thing about being in a band is well I, I shouldn't say in just any band, but like I would think in in the best of worlds like everybody kind of gets a say, or at least the right to veto.
3: Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think if you're in a band where you don't have that, that's that's a mistake. And I've heard heard people talk about where they're in groups where the lead the lead person is very exacting in what they want and have, has this very specific vision and that's great if you're you know if that's what your thing is but it doesn't make it fun to be around it doesn't make it fun to play with mm-hmm. and so a lot of times i rely on those guys to kind of check me a little bit and say are you sure you want to do this let's bring it back a little bit let's let's go this way a little bit let's try something that maybe you hadn't thought of yeah. and you know i i have grown to really appreciate that
1: I have I've found that in, in rehearsal settings and directing and stuff is like, you know, there have been times where I tried to, to, uh, rule the process with an iron fist and that blew up in my face immediately. And then there's been times where I've like, let go completely of any vision and been like, I don't know, what do you guys want to do? It's that balance between the two of like, okay, I think we should head this direction. What do you think? And be able to say, nah, or yeah, or yeah. it's collaborative, but there, you know, if you Sometimes if you don't have somebody kind of seeing the long view, um, it can feel really chaotic for everybody else involved. So it's like sure. that—that's a hard balance.
3: Well, it's funny we were talking about the Beatles to start because when when the, the Get Back sessions came out last year, mm-hmm. absolutely love that, and mm-hmm. and I'm watching it glued to the TV, and and I'm watching Paul try and take the the role of the manager after Brian Epstein died, Damn. Stein Epstein and i felt for him you know i've felt yeah. that that pull in practice like hey we can jam for three hours but we're going to run out of time here so yes. somebody's got to say let's let's do something a little bit but you don't it's a very delicate line to, to walk because you don't want to be overbearing to the guys because then it's not fun to play with anymore right. if, if if i'm if i'm domineering or if i'm if i'm the dictator in the group it takes the fun out of playing with me and then I can tell that those guys aren't having fun with me. And then it, you know, it's this, this negative feedback cycle of, of this isn't fun anymore. Mm-hmm. So giving everybody an opportunity to, to come up with any suggestion, no matter how bad my, the kind of mode that I've taken when we practice and we, we are writing new songs is if somebody comes up with an idea, it <clears throat> doesn't matter how weird it is or how out there we have to try it because you're never going to know if it's going to work or not unless it's in context in the song and you have you have given it a full shake to see if it works in that spot and if it doesn't then everybody recognizes it doesn't and we move on but if it does it's great and it could completely change the trajectory of that song
1: i think that's fascinating too because it's it's i mean just going back to the analogy you made with the get back sessions it's like paul really you know wanted to step into that role but then you have you had a very petulant john lennon who was like watch me i'm going to fuck this off for even longer and george right. is like i've got i've
3: got all, i've <laughs> oh, got an entire album
1: of all things must pass in my back pocket if anybody poor would like george. to hear it
3: yeah, yeah but they, they that's what made them so good was that that push and pull of john and yeah. paul and yeah. then the sprinkling of george and and then uh, i feel so bad for ringo <laughs>
2: i don't i think ringo was my hero of that entire thing oh, i would love I loved watching him because he knew where he, who he was and yep. where he fit in the things. He's yeah. like, just tell me when to play the drums mates. Yeah. I'll yeah. Be just, just, yeah right. He showed up to rehearsal he, he on time. Oh yeah. The, and but, his attitude was just tell me what, when to play. Yeah.
0: Yeah.
3: And you have to have that balance in groups. It's like any group of anything, whether it's a theater group or a band or you know a sports team, there's got to be that that right mix of personalities and uh, appreciation for each other and and love, like you said, it, it we do love each other at the end of the day. It's you, it's a trust.
1: Yeah, you I'm a have family.
2: You know, I, like, absolutely. I'm a manager by trade. Like I've done management of one form or another for thirty years. It seems like now, in various arenas, and the biggest thing that I've learned is that I mean obviously as a manager that means that there are goals that need to be accomplished to further the objective of what our the organization is but i'd be a total idiot to not surround myself by smart people that are industrious and imaginative and let them do their thing like yeah. give them a goal and if it goes off the tracks fine, i'll let it go off the tracks sure at, at my expense yeah. and then say okay we tried that it's hurting me a little bit let's let's try to let's rethink this a little bit and they go oh okay but i will i will never say like what the f-? unless it was something really stupid <laughs> <laughs> because there's there's a, there's a difference between art and business you know what i'm saying yeah. like, sure oh yeah. my god why did you do why did you do that like I, but even that even if that's in my head what i will what will come out of my mouth is that didn't work out too good didn't it let's try to you know let's yeah. try so, I mean, it's it's just interesting that there has to be like if you're going to be a functional unit, it can't be one hundred percent chaos all the time. It just can't be because then it'll fall apart, yeah. and yeah, there has functional.
3: to be there has to be moments of of experimentation and chaos, and there has to be moments of getting everybody on the same page. And that's kind of how we structure our set and our shows is let's we're going to start here. We're going to go all the way out here and then we're going to end up back here. And we all know where we're going to end up. And so we give each other the look and we say, all right, now we're back to that spot, you know, but there has to be that, that balance is so important.
2: That's one of my favorite things on stage is when you kind of look at you, each other and go, did we do it? Can we circle back around?
3: You know, <laughs> like, did
2: we make it, you know, yeah. or, and also we fucking made it. <laughs> and like, that's like, we just, we did it. We or- did it.
1: Or the, yeah, did we fucked it off? That wasn't that fun. Like that didn't kill us. We (laughs) screwed it up. Right. It got screwed up. We we didn't die. Let's keep going. I mean, that's, that's the other thing that I remember from my improv days is like, yeah, that didn't work at all. Wasn't that a blast? (laughs) We didn't die. Like we did the scariest thing. People will not get in front of people to do things ever. That's like some people fear that more than death, but we just totally did that and didn't die, you know? (laughs)
3: <laughs> yeah there's no way i could do that improv stuff and it's funny because i'm i'm up on stage so often and i'm you know we're making it up as we go in a lot of spots but i i'm kind of hide behind my instrument and, and yeah. the other guys abilities and, and and comfortable in that position and then if things fall apart like we said no one's gonna know
1: yeah 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 when you're when you're improvising and things fall apart everybody knows but you can still hide behind like Your ego, your instrument, like the the somewhat loose structure of it. Um, Can you talk a little bit about, we're getting close to the end of the hour, but I want to hear a little bit about the albums y'all have put out. Like, um, I don't, I don't even know where that question was going to go, but like, what was it like putting that together? Your first album, your second album, how many albums do you guys have out now?
3: Well, it's kind of a tricky question because we started, man, what was the first one? There was, five of us in the original group and it was a different bass player and then we had a different singer Mm. so I don't know if you count that one the first one I I kind of consider the first one is um, our afrocious jungle cat LP and we went out to miles his brother has a a house out in Aurora that's where he's originally from Mm -hmm. and so they've got a like a hundred year old barn on the property and so they cleaned it up and we went out for two days I think two or three days And set up in this barn and it was terrible acoustics it was an awful idea on my part to begin with but the vibes were really cool and we had such a good time doing it so we just recorded ten songs over the span of two days just kind of the basic structure and all the the main parts and then I went back and did vocals and we did additional add-ins later on but I still have friends to this day who who will say I just absolutely love the vibe of that that album because it sounds like you're you know there's six of you in a barn in the middle of nowhere just just having a good time and that's exactly what it was Mm -hmm. and so we had this loose structure of where we wanted things to go and and how we wanted it to end up but that was a really fun process the recording was a lot of fun i usually take probably between three and six months after the recording to mix that down and to get it to a point where i really like it and then i'll listen to it a hundred times and i'll Mm -hmm. you know i'll go i'll kind of obsess over it but that's, you know, we, we usually kind of our process has been, we'll get together when we can, we'll pick like one or two days where we try and record everything that we can in that, in that time span. And then, then we do the additional stuff later on. But I kind of look at them as a time capsule almost where I can still go back. And I was listening to back to our, some of our old stuff, which I don't do very often because it's weird. You know, it's, I, I spend all this time on it. I've listened to a hundred times and then I'll, I'll yeah. leave it for two years and not go back to listen to it but I was listening to some of our older stuff and I can put myself back in that position. I'm back in that space recording it and, and remember what everybody said and what the, what the sunset was like and and what the lighting was like and how we felt in that moment. And so that first one was in a barn. And then the second one was in a house that miles was living in down on like ninth and uh, I want to say like B street or something like that. just in a living room. There were six of us in the living room and we knew we needed to get these four songs as much done as we could. And we did all those parts and and then went back and put them together. But lately I've been really focusing on the the video aspect of it and putting together like kind of proving that we can play these songs live. Yeah. In a in a kind of a one shot. It's not technically a one take environment, but I like to Frankenstein different parts in it and put, you know, find the the best takes. But I, I love capturing that that moment. So when we did the Dancing Kitties video that was one full day of us learning the choreography and then doing the choreography and spending all that time together. And I can put myself back in that place mm. and the same with the delete video or the alien video or the hypnotized video where I'm back in that position. It's a, it's a little, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to capture a moment in time mm. and, and keep it forever because you know, time's fleeting and, and all that philosophical stuff. But if we can capture that and, and, and keep it, Then that exists forever. Yeah, it's kind of a a a cheap way to time travel.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's good because, I mean, I think that that speaks to what I what I've noticed about listening to the albums and experiencing you live. I think that, I mean, from my perspective, the party is in the moment with y'all. Absolutely. You know, like that's that's really where it's the most electric, the most alive, the most invigorating. and uh yeah that's that's really cool yeah and trying to capture that yeah
3: trying to capture that on on a a recording is tough yeah but i like to leave in those little like the the little the 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 guys talking after a song or the the certain noises or i don't know if you guys caught it but in the uh nebraskan thunder thunder funk ep at the start there's a thunderstorm so there's this big clap of thunder and it's probably a minute and a half intro of yeah There's, there's a thunder and I was, I mean it was this kind of crazy event where I was, I had the microphone set up in my bedroom and I, there was a thunderstorm rolling through and I knew that we wanted to do something similar to that with, with thunder and, and sound effects, but I just hit record, and happened to catch, uh, a little bit of thunder, then a delivery driver coming down the street, missing his turn, screeching his brakes. Turning around, driving away, and then this massive explosion of thunder. I mean, I, <laughs> well, I'll never catch anything like that again. But I I remember that exact moment where I was and what I was doing and, and working that into the recording mm-hmm. and then blaring that over the the time we recorded together in the living room. And that's, that's special to me, and I can go back and, and listen to that anytime. But the other thing about recording that I'm kind of lucky to have is have you guys ever heard of... Th- synesthesia where oh, you yeah. see you know you see sounds as color or certain <laughs> oh, numbers are <yeah>. <laughs> a specific nice. color or whatever <clears throat> I have a little bit of that where if I listen to a song and it's really well mixed and the, the parts really speak to me I see it in color mm. when I close my eyes so when I'm when I'm doing jungle cat stuff whether I'm writing a song or whether we're in practice or I'm listening to recordings or, or whatever it is I close my eyes and if the colors aren't vibrant if they're not vivid if they're not in where they're supposed to be kind of in the 180 degree spectrum of of the way that I mix and listen if those puzzle pieces aren't there and everything isn't popping out at me then something's got to change and then when those things do really jump out of the headphones then I know that we found where we need to be Mm. and I don't know that it's like a specific color for a specific note or a specific chord some some people have that to me it's if the pieces are correct and in the correct place, then everything kind of shines, and, and the colors are much more vibrant, and they speak to you.
1: And that's like a real beautiful description of what it means to have artistic instincts and be able to sort of say, "You cannot put your finger on it. I am following the muse. I'm following a, a vibe. I am. I know. I don't. I. I. <clears throat> I don't know what I want, but I know it when I see it. That sort of exactly. thing. Exactly. Like you can't. Yep. Y- that is that is like real artistry you can't really put your finger on it you have to have all the training ahead of time and the experience and put the things in the room but it, you know it when you feel it you know i've had that right. moment in 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 theater where it's like i i i i feel that moment that moment is clear as day mm-hmm. and i don't care if you like it or not that is exactly in line with my vision of what this thing is
3: well i think you guys i, I went back and listened to a few episodes in preparation of your guys' oh, podcast um, and and i think you guys talked about it one time where where there's kind of a lost art of putting on an album turning off the lights mm. closing your eyes and then letting the thing run from front to back Yep. Yeah. and i do that every time we have a recording or we have a video or anything that i'm putting out mm. i take that time to to shut off all the lights put the headphones on make sure i'm in a comfortable place And listen to it no interruptions front to back and if the whole thing doesn't speak to me or if I hear something that's distracting I go back and I change it and my wife calls me a tinkerer Mm -hmm. She, she loves to make fun of me because it's not really perfectionist so much as like I see a problem and I know that there's a way that I can maybe fix it so I'll keep tinkering with it until I get to that point where I where I feel comfortable with it and it may not be perfect but it's like I said the colors are vibrant the 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 album sounds great front to back and and that's a lost art I think and and I don't know that you know in 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 the days of social media and the quick scrolling and the TikToks and all that stuff that kind of gets lost but my favorite albums of all time and what I'm trying to do with our music is set a set a moment in time where you can do that where you can turn off the lights and you can follow this journey front to back and kind of be transported it, it's cliche but that's you know that's what No, that's, that's, that's always what, the artistic what goal. i
2: what i tell people in fact i was just having this conversation with my sister who uh because joel and i saw roger waters last weekend in kansas city which was a whole other thing but she said uh she's like you know i have to confess i've never listened to like a pink floyd album and i said well <clears throat> sit down and listen to dark side of the moon like you would yeah. watch a like you would watch a movie mm-hmm it's the same thing like intentionally like you you can carve out two hours to watch a movie carve out 42 minutes to listen just turn out the lights turn up yeah. the stereo and listen just let it play and mm-hmm. stare at the wall like you were staring at a movie screen and the movie will show up yeah yeah
3: <laughs> right absolutely and i think that's that's always been a goal of mine artistically and part of that comes from when i was in my mid-20s all of our friends we'd get together and we'd we'd put on like somebody would select a vinyl and we listen to the record front to back Mm -hmm. and and there'd be no interruptions and and the thing would just roll. And I love that about vinyl. I love that about the renaissance of of records in general is there's still a place for that kind of artistic vision where you can put together a cohesive album that flows that is not meant to be chopped up into 32nd sound bites.
1: right? The idea uh, of, of having to sit with an entire collection of curated songs, and you know, the artists took their time to have to give the audience an experience not to just have little hits here and there but to yeah. like we want you to sit with this and experience it not necessarily a concept but like you know you kind of like and and like you said with physical music you have to you have to deal with it. Like your, like your, like your cassette tape,
2: you have to deal with it.
1: You have to deal with like your cassette tape thing. I can, I I think of, uh, I had that same experience with beastie boys, check your head on the way from (laughs) Nebraska to uh, my boy scout camp. It's like the only tape I had. And it was a side, B side, a side, B side, a side, B side. We stop at the gas station. I get more batteries, a side, B side. I mean, like I have that entire record burned into my memory because I had to deal with the, You know it was like this so i never think of beastie boys check your head as a collection of songs it's just the whole album i can't i can't pick a song out of that i have to start from the beginning
3: and that's you know i'm i'm a fan of a well-crafted pop song and a good hit and and i appreciate the artistic ability in that but the the ability to put together a full album and it doesn't necessarily like you said it doesn't have to be a concept Right. It's just the things float. they they fit together. Mm-hmm. It's this full piece of of something. It's a full puzzle and mm-hmm. that doesn't happen that often anymore and you know if I if I can contribute a little bit to keeping that alive, I like to do that. And that's the way that I appreciate listening to music and then you know you can't if if it's a vinyl or if it's a cassette tape, you can't skip a song in in half a second. You can't right. just press the fast forward and go to the next song. You either have to deal with it or, or uh, learn to appreciate the song. So as a, an album creator, you want every song to be, uh, you know, to, to pull people in, to, mm. to not have any, no letdowns, no, no skips, no filler, you know, what no filler. Exactly. All killer, no filler. Some 41.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh dude, this has been so great. And yep. like, we're, we're, we try to keep our podcast within the hour. I'm like, man, I want to have you back. Um, but one thing that we always like to do, and it, it's really nice to have guests to do this with, because otherwise it's just Steve and I talking to each other about what we're listening. To. What do you current... <laughs> I, I think we got a sense of what your all times are. Sure. I want to I know what's currently turning you on in the music. Like, what are you listening to? Or what are you reading? What are you...
3: That's funny. I, I came prepared for this question. because oh, I- yes. <laughs> <laughs> It's one of my favorite questions, and I, I always have a bad answer to it. But... <laughs> You know, we talked about my, my favorites of all time was obviously the Beatles and Raging Against the Machine, Dr. Mm-hmm. Dre. I don't know if you guys ever heard of a band called the Mars Volta. Oh, they did yeah. Two albums. yeah. And they're a huge influence on us um, artistically. And I wanted to mention them because they, that's, that's another one where you can put the album in and the whole thing flows. That you was just let going. it run I,
1: I was in grad school and that when some of that came out and i just like i was like i don't know where to put this but this yeah ripping a hole in my absolutely face it was time. so yeah.
3: formative and this the way that they put their albums together they have all those little bits and pieces and the noise and all that stuff and i love that currently i i've got a friend in a band called evolfo and they are from brooklyn and it's kind of a psych pop soul funk this kind of strange mix of all different influences and they just put out a record maybe six months ago that is really good. And same thing, front to back, no filler. They had a, a very cohesive idea of what they wanted to put out. Uh, I, that was really influential. And kind of their production techniques and the, the equipment that they used and the, the vibes that they were creating was really cool, and I appreciate it. And you kind of fall into their world mm. when you listen what's, to that. What's album. their name again? Evolfo, E-V-O-L-F-O.
1: Cool. Okay. Yeah. Yeah.
3: Then uh, there's a band called The Comet Is Coming. One of my buddies turned, them, turned me on to them. The Comet
1: Is Coming? The Comet Is Coming. Great name. I hope
3: so. Really right? cool. Yeah, right. Let's do we this. We could all hope so. <laughs> um, they. It's this kind of, I think they're all instrumental. They've got a saxophone player, I believe, and then maybe a synth guy, a drummer, and a bass player. I, I'm not exactly sure on the makeup. Really cool sound. Very, very interesting sonically. That same kind of thing where they, they go off on these... Tangent jams and then bring it back and then there's a riff to, to hook you again And mm. those guys are really good That was just kind of a turn on for a random turn on from one of my buddies cool. Then I you know when when get back came out. I went back through the whole Beatles catalog mm um because like i said there's something for everybody there and, and when i was young i really liked the early stuff and then when i was in my late 20s i really liked the later stuff the the more drug influenced stuff and the psychedelic stuff and now i can appreciate both aspects of that where they they like you said with the tabs they're impossibly crafted yeah. pop songs yeah with you know su- seemingly very simple but then they throw in the strange chord and it's like where did they come up with that and this all when they were you know 17 18 19 years old and and all of the pressure of, of the world on them So I dove back into that I really appreciate all you know their songwriting ability their techniques their recording prowess the the Crowd of people that they had around them that pushed them to that. That's really cool and then I don't know it's weird because as I get older I really appreciate classic rock I've been listening to the Eagles a lot, a lot of Joe. Eagles,
1: man. Yeah, fucking Eagles, man.
2: Joe Walsh is my guy. Yeah, he's just so cool. I love Joe Walsh.
3: There's a video of of the Eagles playing "Take It Easy" in like 1974 or five on YouTube, and really well done, and it's very clean, and the sound is really good. And you, you know, it's like what I was talking about with our videos. You fall back into 1975 or whenever Mm -hmm. it was when you watch this video, and the people in the crowd and the way that they're dressed and the, the instruments and the production of it i love that sound i love that 70s classic rock really dry studio sound and something about the equipment that they were using at that time is timeless and mm. and speaks to you know people of, of different generations and well-crafted pop songs and, and good hooks and good choruses and I You know the other thing is I people ask me that question all the time like what, what you know What are you listening to hit me with something new and hot? It's like the more that I listen if I listen to new stuff I'm more likely to steal it accidentally and <laughs> when I'm writing when I'm writing new songs so I try not to listen to Cutting-edge stuff or or stuff that's just coming out because if I steal something from the radio that's on right now, people are like, oh, well, you stole that from you know so and so. But if I yeah. steal something from the Beatles or the Eagles, it's been stolen five hundred times, so right. it doesn't really matter. You know, yeah. I can go ahead and do that. It's safe. I can borrow aspects of it, and it, like he's yeah, it's safe. So I try. I don't know. I I, I should listen to more music. I, I need a. I need to set up my record player and start buying more records, but. I, I have a tendency to fall back on my old influences yeah, and, and the old I, stuff. And
1: the older I get, too, man, I, I get it. I think it was like, yeah, right when I was like mid 30s, it was like, you know what? What I like is what I like. If something breaks through that, great. But yeah. I'm kind of, I'm going to just listen. Like, sure. like, and and you
3: like you know. I said, I appreciate a good pop song. Like Olivia sure. Rodrigo's got some really good oh, stuff yeah. on the radio. Yeah. For you sure. know, and the kids are coming out with new stuff all the time. And I really like that and appreciate it but some of the stuff is not for me and that's okay. I, you know, I've, I've learned at this age that not everything is going to be for me and it's for somebody else and that's okay. And I don't have to comment on it. I don't have to say anything about it. It's not, you know, it's not for me. It's not for me.
1: Yeah, that's good. Wow. Dude, thank well, you so much for your time, man. This hey, this has been great.
3: This has been so much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, do
1: you uh, do you guys have any gigs coming up we need to push out?
3: Uh, I don't know that we have anything coming up. I I think we're playing Pete's birthday at the Zoo Bar on the 18th. I haven't confirmed totally um but that's going to be packed either way, so I don't we don't really need to push that one. Like, we're lucky to be on that that yeah. lineup mm-hmm. and, and the Zoo Bar is always always a good time and there's yeah. always a a built-in fan base and it's such a great place to play. Yeah. Um, we're working on a new album slowly but surely I would really like to do a vinyl like Mm. press a vinyl even though Mm. it's very expensive and difficult to do and there's time constraints and and Mm. technical constraints and but that would be kind of a bucket listing for us is to have a record that we could put on Mm. you know that we could have forever and and be proud of it so that hope that'd be great that would that would be hopefully that's come coming down the pipe maybe early next year or sometime like that. So Sweet. yeah, nothing, yes. in, nothing coming up really just, we've got the Instagram and the YouTube channels. Mm-hmm. Um, we've got stuff on Bandcamp and Spotify and like, mm-hmm. you know, just keeping ear out because we're always trying to do something new and we're playing shows occasionally here and there.
1: Awesome. Well, if you, anybody out there listening, you have to see them live. So follow them on all their social channels, stock them if you have to, but m- Make sure you you make a Ferocious Jungle Cat show because Will and the boys are fucking amazing. So thanks well, so thank much you. for coming on, man. It's yeah, really thanks. Exciting. This has been a lot of fun. Yeah. Thanks, Will.